I'm sitting here with the OG. That's my original gangster, you know. We can't forget our origins, going all the way back to how all this magic started. It started with two rather magical unicorn-like creatures, Hack Attack and Pharaoh. I, the Hack Attack, am with none other than the OG, Pharaoh. My Pharaoh. Here you are. The OG, huh? You're the OG, man. <laughs> this is how all this happened. So, no, no, don't take this the wrong way, but no special guest today, just Pharaoh. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just the two of us. And then Jason. Jason's hack attack. I'm also here. We're just two special guests hanging out. You know, look, you, you, people's schedules are what they are. Sometimes things fall through. We had an interview today. Something happened. She couldn't make it, but Pharaoh and I have each other, so we're here. This is how all this happened. In fact... You know, I have a background in radio. For those of you who don't know, I ran a radio show for 15 years up in Park City called The Hack Attack Show, the eponymous uh, name of which this podcast is also named after, Hack Attack and Pharaoh. And it got nixed. It got, uh, it, it, saw, it saw its end due to corona. corona. Yeah. yeah. And just logistics. And, and they really had to shrink the scaff down, the staff, scaff? The staff the down staff. to a skeleton staff. And I was sad. I was sad. I was dis- <laughs> I was sad. I was despondent and I felt a loss. There was definitely a mournful solemnity to my nonverbals. I, I my shoulders were slouched, my head was hung. Did you go big word in me, boy. I I, I boy was yo. sad. I was solemnity. <laughs> <laughs> a few weeks go by. Up. A few weeks go by. And this guy, Pharaoh, he calls me up. And it was with the fanfare and showmanship of uh, Ringmaster of the Circus. He said, "Have I got an idea Ringmaster for of you?" Ringmaster Circus. <laughs> this is I, this, this really touched me. He said, "Have I got an idea for you?" Two words: podcast. I'm like, actually, I think, I think that's, that's one, one word. Pon- compound word. Yeah, yeah, it's one compound word. But you're sort of like one word: <laughs> podcast. One, I was all one word: you, me, podcast. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, you did. You did. You, me. I went, uh huh. Podcast, and I imagine this is all on the phone. But I imagine there was some sort of Bob Fosse magic finger, you know, jazz hands going jazz on, jazz hands, and yeah, pixie dust, you know, g- uh, gyrating his fingers, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm driving, and and I thought to myself, I thought, holy shit, podcast. Why am I thought about this now? I had a few people had said you should do a podcast. You should do a podcast. I thought, ah, fuck that. I, I'm doing radio. No need. And even afterwards, when I was seeking employment, sending out resumes. You know, making a demo, sending out demos, trying to trying to get something around the the Salt Lake Valley, and, and you know the market's impossible. It's Corona. No one's hiring. People are already broadcasting from home. Even some of my old you know program directors said, "You ever think of starting a podcast?" And I thought, "Ah, that's like self publishing a book. That's a cop out, right?" I'm thinking like, "No, no, and it needs to be commercial." But you know, there's so much freedom in a podcast. You know, I I, I can say what I want. I can. If I want to say, what the fuck are you looking at with that handsome grin? No one can stop me, right? He's grinning at me all <laughs> handsomely. Look at this guy. No one can stop you and no one can listen. <laughs> <laughs> I, one see man da- man. I see the downloads for this episode already. Zero. Ne- <laughs> negative, negative one. 13. We actually lose. Li- <laughs> it gives us in the analytics negative five <laughs> listeners. Like They've actually withdrawn it's their so downloads minimally from the other episodes. To. It's a negative number. Well, then I'll just listen to it on loop and make oh, it seem my. like more people have listened to it. I love listening to myself talk. But no, I appreciate it. And so it's good to every once in a while. It's great to have guests. We, lo- we love having guests. We love having interviews. Everybody's story matters. And, you know, everyday people with extraordinary stories. That's very important to us. And I think there's a lot to be learned from each other. 
I think there's a lot of stories that need to be told in people just walking down the street that you have no idea. But at the same time, it's always good to return to each other every once in a while <laughs> and just check in yeah. and see what's up. There's a lot to talk about, Daryl. Absolutely. There's a lot Absolutely. to talk about. Tons to talk about. For an example, I find myself in a very interesting time in my life right now. I have I, mo- I would like to posit. Okay, pause. That you are in, well, is it posit? Posit. Think? No, wait. wait. Pause as in two vertical parallel lines? Pause button? No, not pause, pause but... Put a pin in it? Put a pin in it. I don't okay. know. Whatever. I don't know what I'm saying. You want me to stop talking? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Mute. I, I would like to uh, put it out there. Yes. It's, you know, stop trying to use $5 words. Because apparently I can't. Um, <laughs> but I would like to think that you're in an interesting time always in your life. <laughs> I don't... I can't remember a time where you weren't... I mean, even when you broke your ankle and you're scooting around... <laughs> You know, there's an interesting time going on in your life. Oh, you're, yes. You're, I mean, we were talking about this beforehand, and and I've brought it up before, but apparently <laughs> so is your, your better half now, that you kind of force gump your way through life. Not that you're oh, not yeah. an active person, not that you just wait around letting things, things happen. Things don't just happen to me. I but guess. you're going out into the world, and then things happen. <laughs> oh, yes. To always. you, for you. Um, <laughs> Against me, at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> always. So I yeah going to that. So you're at an interesting time in your so life. So that was again your, your pin slash pause was it's always interesting. Yes, I like that you brought up the when I broke my ankle I'm scooting around in that very emasculating knee scooter. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting time too. That was emasculating. Emasculating. I felt a little felt a little sheepish. A little sheepish. Real men walk. <laughs> This is that toxic masculinity yes. we're talking about. Real men walk places, not scoot Jason on a scooter. Jason toxic masculinity. <laughs> we're working on it, though. That's part of the podcast. It's part of the therapy. I remember. We're helping I, him out. He's got this bravado. See, he's, uh, well, and to me, you're a very sympathetic human being, even empathetic. and Even empathetic. Even, even at times. Um, but you have things hit you really hard. You, oh, your yeah. passion, your heart, your love. Oh, I can be your a sensitivity. Your, your sensitivity. You can really feel things. Absolutely. And, um, but I think too, you have a bravado about you. This idea Guilty. that growing up, you know, with your heroes being um, Kirk Douglas and um, others like that, Mel Gibson. Yeah, you have this idea of what it is to be a man. This is ingrained. It's ingrained. And then and then playing sports like you do. Not that, you know, athletics kind of promote that. Well, tough sports, rugby, hockey, lacrosse. Yeah. They promote you know, those kind of suck ideas. Suck it up. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, interesting. It I mean, it, you have uh, you have quite the dynamic going on. <laughs> the bravado you, sensitivity. You are a paradox. The bravado sensitivity is what you're saying. The uh the woke toxic masculinity. The sensitive bravado. <laughs> What's 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 a name for a bravado? A bravoure? The sensitive bravoure? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm making that up. I, I love know. it. I love it. I'm gonna what's go with it. Bravado sounds Italian. Bravoure is clearly French. Uh, that you you remind me of a story, a funny story of when I broke my ankle. That was uh, as a result of an ice climbing fall. Bad luck bears. And I, I'm I'm in this scooter. It was a broken ankle. I'm in the boot for like six to eight weeks, can't walk. And they give you this knee scooter where the afflicted limb is uh, put on a knee pad and kept, you know, obviously weightless. And you push around and it has little brakes, little handbrakes, much like a bicycle. 
and I had a little, I had a little uh, basket to carry my books, and I was at school at the time. I'm at the U of U, gone back to school for a few things, and I would jet around on this thing. Ironically, you're faster on the scooter than walking. Sure, wheels, you know. Uh, wheels on the flat, you yeah. n- you can g- clip along at the, at at what I mean, an able-bodied like person skateboard. I mean, right. skateboarders move faster. An even, able-bodied even person just... would be jogging rapidly to keep up with yeah. me, right? So I'm like, all right, this is great. I'm getting places. I'm on time, but I would be pretty aggressive on the hills. Uh, you know, that toxic masculinity kicking in. I'm like, I feel the need, the need for speed, and then I high-fived goose. Sure, absolutely. So yeah, yeah this is pre-mortem. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, <laughs> with your 80s macho. <laughs> Want to play volleyball? Yeah, right. Let's take our shirts off. <laughs> yeah, please. Let me oil you down a bit. You look a little dry. That's right. Get those tight jeans on. That's what I loved. You know, everybody else is in shorts during that scene. Oh, yeah, Tom. Shorts and like Maverick. sweatpants, but then Tom Cruise. Maverick is Maverick's in, in jeans. Jeans. Oh, man. Play volleyball. He's popped the top off. Just, you just know, do a whatever. few spikes. Sure. Let's watch that scene right now. This podcast is over. Excuse us. Yeah, we've got things to do. All right. <laughs> So, so I'm clipping along, and there's hills. Uh, the upper part of U of U campus is pretty hilly. Yeah, I'm picking up speed. I'm Long booking this thing. Love that, love that campus. Yeah, I'm booking in this thing, and I got, <laughs> I got, I got my basket laden down with books, and things get out of control. My basket, and you know, th- there was a moment where my my brakes were kind of catching. I'm like, whoa, whoa, and I'm going towards a sharp curve in the sidewalk. I'm like, ah, ah, and I hit the brakes, and I'm going like. I'm flying, and I eat shit. I'm like, no, 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 and I start flying through the air. I turn my body midair. I do a sort of aerialist 180 in the air to stick my broken ankle and boot into the air so it doesn't hit and land, and I crater onto my back, and I'm like, oh, oh, and I look around. Instantly, an embarrassment that anyone see. Only like a super hot girl. There's like this super hot girl right there, and there's no one else. You're and playing the like, wounded deer card, weren't you? <laughs> she's like, um, are you okay? And I look at her. I get up real quick and dust off like nobody. Like, yeah, yeah, no. It's cool. Like, like you didn't just see me train wreck in this little scooter like a Joey just wiped out. And it was, it was made more poignant and more embarrassing by the fact that she was there. But my toxic masculinity, see, the toxic masculinity saved me. Out. It saved me because I played off really cool through humor and grace and uh, posed. And I got, I got up. I'm like, you know what? I, I try to do that. The, that's the mighty peacock trying to fly. The mighty peacock. Yes. But I was flaring my tail. I flared my tail. And I said Peacocks something. Peacocks don't fly. They don't fly. I said something humorous like, like uh, I, I just think I, think I said something like, you know what? No, I'm fine. I try to do that at least five times a day. And she laughed and, and I played it off. But. Anyway, you reminded me of that. So, yes, it's an interesting time in my life right now. I find myself in an interesting time in my life. Okay, as always is what you would want me to qualify with. Well, and I go back to my word posit, which is an assumption, but uh, assumption is fact. But I'm going to go with it. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So, it's interesting right now in this particular way that we're going to talk about today because I have moved into the hood. The hood of See, hoods. okay, so this word, hood. The hood, H-O-O-D. I, I, I understand. I understand. And I got my, wheat, is it, I got my wheat Tims to prove it. I got my wheat, my, my wheat Timberland boots. I can put those on. I wear them with the tongue out. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You know, that's the, the but I'm shoes. just wondering, is this a stereotype? Um, you know, stereotypes come from a place of uh, reality, Yeah. right? 
you know, they're based on some sort of accuracy. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so to say it's a stereotype, we can say it's stereotypically hoodish. Yes. But it is it is it has all the archetypes. Is it white privilege that you've moved here mm. and that you can call it, you call it the hood. Mm. Would, you, would your neighbors call it the hood? Ah. And maybe it is privilege that like I can that this is a temporary stepping stone for me in life. Right, that exactly. I can kind of come and go into this world as I please. Yeah. But some people, due to demographic and status, are stuck. Well, what well, we way. talked about with Mike, you know, there's a, it's a poverty. It's a, well, one of the issues. I shouldn't say the issue, but one of the issues mm-hmm. is is of poverty. We're going to talk about poverty because I believe poverty is environmental, yes, but poverty is also mentality. And you can stay poor due to your mentality. For example, one of the things that makes it the hood is there is trash, garbage, filth everywhere everywhere now there's a mentality to that there's a mentality to that the mentality of i'm so fucking stressed with my life I, you know i'm i'm on survival mode i'm living paycheck to paycheck hand to mouth day to day what the hell do i care about articulating the ankles knees joints and lower back to bend down and pick up a piece of garbage and throw it in a garbage bin who gives a fuck right but there's a mentality Around here, people step over garbage rather than picking it up. That's a mentality, right? But is that, okay, so going back to, is that something that maybe they grew up with? Yes, it is conditioning. So I look around here, and first of all, you know, yeah, there's chain link fences everywhere. There's graffiti on walls everywhere. There's garbage and debris laying everywhere, all over the streets and driveways. And I see kids playing in it. So... You know, there's an old saying about parenting and, and modeling for kids. Kids don't do what you say. Kids do what you do. And if the parents, if the adults around here don't give a fuck and they're not picking it up, that's modeling. That's teaching your kids you shouldn't care either. Around the back here, there's uh, someone else's backyard. And it is literally a debris field of garbage. I've never seen anything like it. And we could go right now, and there's little kids playing back there. As if, as if they are in... Uh, free in a park or the mountains or or, or a flowery meadow. It's nothing to them because they haven't been taught this isn't okay. We don't live like this. We pick up our trash. We have some dignity. Going back to the word hood, is that that a word that's used because it's in a metropolitan area, a city? Because if we were talking about the backwoods of western Kentucky or, you know... That's the the sticks. Yeah, the sticks. Yeah. So that I guess that's where my, you know. Okay. Uh, you know, let's break Sorry, down the etym- let's, let, let, let's break down the etymology of the word, the the, the you know, the what? Neighborhood. Neighborhood. Hood is the tail end shorter. of neighborhood. Yeah. But as we know, at least in America, the hood with a V in front of it means the ghetto, a rough neighborhood. Yeah. It's rough. Now, for all of you who don't know, I'm just going to name names. I live in Western Rose Park. Now, there's three accepted hoods in the Salt Lake Valley. It's Kearns, it's West Valley, and it's Rose Park. And I'm in Western Rose Park. I, you know, Eastern Rose Park is nicer. You get some older homes. They're well kept. There's more gardens and lawns and yards out here. Oh, man. It's, it's just a bunch of chain link and, and cinder block Berlin walls, and it, it's trash everywhere. A lot of poverty. A lot of crime, a lot of crime. We're going to dive right into it. But when I say the hood, that's what I mean. It's a rough hood. It's a rough neighborhood. Now, I'm going to show my cards. I'm from Park City. 
I grew up in the mean streets of Park City. I grew up running around the woods and mountains. Now, the mean streets being the aggressive moose that would occasionally come into town. It happens. It happens. There's a new sheriff in town, and he's sporting antlers. Yeah, exactly. Now, when I say from Park City, you know, the, the stereotype there is, oh, I'm, I'm to the manor born. Oh, you must have been born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You're some rich kid. You know, I played hockey and lacrosse in high school, and whenever we went and played the other schools around the Salt Lake Valley, we'd hear them talking shit during half times in between periods. Let's send these fucking rich kids home. Yeah! And we'd look at each other, rich kids? I could barely pay my team dues. Like, what? No, so I grew up in the working class uh, neighborhood of Park City, and that was actually more the boonies when, when, uh, when I was growing up in the 90s. So to say I'm from Park City doesn't mean I'm rich. I, I, I grew up uh, middle, middle class. My dad uh, was an aviation mechanic. And my mom was a school teacher. So, however, it's culturally very different from that. It's connected to nature. There's an art scene. There's the outdoor scene. There's hiking, biking. There's trails. There's woods. Uh, you know, we got Sundance. We got the skiing. We got the food scene. We got the art scene. It's, it's, a, it's a different world. It's a very cultured, athletic mountain town, Park City. Uh, Park City is not Rose Park. <laughs> not at all. Now, not to say that one is better than the other. It's just different. And look, I think I've proven I'm not too good for the hood. Here I am. Here I sit. If I remember correctly, and I'm not trying to put <coughs> the specific monetary value <laughs> to, um, you know, into the conversation. But if I remember correctly, the apartment you had in Park City before you had to move out yeah. of Park City was comparable in rent to yeah. what you're paying now, right? I just had a deal. I, I, I you had a deal. I, I had but, a deal. Yeah. But again, I mean, it's you know, it, um, it's comparable to what you know, and it speaks to the. It's interesting. Rising prices. It's interesting. You know, yeah, the, where I'm sitting now is only twenty five more bucks th- a month than what I paid for in Park City. Granted, it's more. This place is a little more. Granted, it's bigger. I live in a matchbox in Park City. This place here in the hood is a big, two spacious two bedroom apartment. But it's so cheap because of where it is, right? So, and, and again, for the record, I'm not too good for the hood. Clearly, here I sit. And I, I, I find it very experiential. Uh, this experience is very fascinating because you're seeing how a lot of people live. A lot of people. So, I mean, going back to kind of a white privilege topic, you're able to see it as a life experience. Right. Where other people that might not be able to ascend this sure it's just just life it's just life life you know but most of the world guys is third world the globe's pretty big most most of the world lives in poverty yeah and this is what immediate sort of everyday poverty in the sense of utah or america looks like is these type of neighborhoods so (laughs) it's 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 just a different flavor yet i like it it to me it's sort of an adventure first night i moved in here first night there's someone banging on a board with a hammer around the corner of a building near me. Now, first of all, let me set the scene. I live in a neighborhood where it's a bunch of old, tired brick quadplexes. They're, they're shabby. They're old. Yeah, f- f- four units to a building. And it's circles. It's a bunch of circles. And they're all separated by chain link fences and sort of gnawed yards. And there's you know trash and graffiti everywhere. Everyone around me are drug dealers. <laughs> this, how do you know that? Uh, let's talk about how I know that. First night I'm here, I have this brand new puppy, Perth, this Australian cattle dog, the love of my life. This dog, beautiful. He's a six-week-old puppy. He's poking around the yard, and these guys, 
They're hanging out on the stoop across the way from my place. It's dark. It's cold. And I talked to this guy a little bit. You know, we, we, we built a bit of rapport. And they shout over. He's like, yo, man, you smoke weed? And I'm like, ah, oh, no, no, not, re- not, not really into it. He's like, well, yo, man, I got some dank-ass weed if you're interested. And I said, like, oh, thanks, man. You know, you know not, not today. You know, I'm playing it cool. He's like, well, spread the word. Spread the word. You know, if anyone needs weed, you tell them where to come. I'm like, all right, all right. He's like, I'm good for everything else if you know what I'm saying. And I look at him. I'm like, yeah, I think I know what you're saying. He's basically literally saying, I am a drug dealer. And there's this sort of silent moment. Just, 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 just for a moment. Yeah, I'd come up to the fence. I'm leaning on it. And this other guy standing next to him kind of was eyeing me a bit suspiciously. He's like, you a cop, Jason? And I instantly, I'm like, fuck no, I'm, 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 no, I'm, I ain't no cop. And the guy, the first guy's like, yeah, hell, this guy ain't no fucking cop. This guy's cool as hell. And, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to break the ice with these guys because a, a ton, a, immunity is being cool with them. Immunity is, well, being liked by them and getting in with them and not saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm too cool for these people. Or, I'm above these people. They're not my class. They're not like me. They're drug dealers. I'm not a drug dealer. Fuck that. People are people. And I like people. So they were, in, they were interesting me. So I pick up my puppy, the universal leveler, man. And I walk across the way over to the stoop. And I'm like, hey, guys, check out my puppy. And they're like, oh, shit, this is the cutest fucking puppy I've ever seen. Oh, man, oh, shit, oh, what's his name? Oh, what is he? Like, it softened them, man. And they show me their dogs. And the dogs start playing together. And it's been great. They have my back, man. They have my back. If my place started, getting, started to get jacked or something, they'd stop them. You know, our dogs play together. You know, they got this little cute kid that I talked to. You know, we, sh- we, sh- we shoot the shit. I hang out on the stoop with them now. You know, if you're standoffish, if you're acting like, Oof, I don't want to assort with these people, I'm not like them, they're going to think, hmm, who's this guy? Why is he acting all weird? Why is he all standoffish? Does he think he's better than us? Hey, let's rob him. <laughs> you know, who knows? Who knows what they get to? But that was night one. That was night one. And I remember... They took me into their place. They're like, come meet our little dog. We got this little chihuahua. He's in here somewhere. And they took me into their place. And when I went into their place, uh, I gasped. The stench hit me like a wall. It was palpable. It was in the air. You could cut it with a knife. I couldn't believe what I walked into when they took me into their apartment. And this is just one billion over from me. How people are willing to live. And we talk about poverty often being a mentality. A mentality. Poverty can spring from trauma, man. And someone who lives like this has some trauma, has something going on upstairs. First of all, the stench, it hit me. It was feces, it was decay, it was garbage. All at once. I, 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 all but, I almost audibly gasped, but then tried to play it cool. And I'm there with my puppy. I'm looking around. There is debris and garbage everywhere this is in a home almost the horrendous mm, accumulation of of a hoarder type person the walls if they can be called that were mounded all at the bottom with garbage with, with 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 piles of plastic garbage bags household items piles ramping in slopes up the walls the walls themselves were streaked with grime and dirt and handprints. 
we're talking like a crack house or something, like it being demolished from the inside out by people who are hawking possessions for heroin or something. And then there's garbage and, and trash and food all over the floor. There's dog shit here and there because they haven't house broke their dog. It, 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 it's chaos, and in the midst of all this is a little girl, three years old if she's a day, running around happily in a diaper, running through a debris field of garbage across a, a linoleum floor in the kitchen. Again, that's conditioning. What that kid is learning every day of her young life is this is okay. This is fine to live. We live like this. They're not teaching her anything other than this is okay. There's a trauma to that, whether that kid knows it or not that conditioning, but there's a trauma to that, that by the time she grows up, either she might go the opposite way and be like a clean freak, who knows, or she becomes the same. And that's no way to live. I'm not trying to pass judgment on anyone, but I don't know. it's amazing how, you know, of all, the, of all the human senses, the most adaptable is scent, the olfactory senses, your nose. So their noses have adapted to that, but mine wasn't. I'd walked into it and was like, uh, uh, it was so thick, I only stayed two minutes so my dog could meet one of their dogs. And I left, and I went outside to breathe. It was insane. Well, it's interesting that we're on this topic because I've been watching that documentary, Bobby for President, yes, about RFK. Bobby. And, um, and we talked about it a little bit with Mike, um, one of his heroes being Malcolm X and then Martin That's Luther right. King. And I think um, the documentary doesn't talk. I, I think I said that it did um, on Mike's interview, and I was I exaggerated a little bit. How I don't know if Malcolm X had an effect on Bobby Kennedy. I, I think he did, but um, Martin Luther King absolutely did. But one of the things yeah. that I thought was pretty powerful was when Bobby Kennedy, um, Robert Kennedy. Um, went he visited he was it was this war on poverty mm -hmm. that right. he kind of yes. committed to and he went and visited the rural areas of mississippi mm. which is traditionally black and then he went and visited the rural areas of um western kentucky i'm which call mine white yeah. and um but both impoverished both just right. really poor and um and it's just you know i think it reaches out poverty is one of those things that reaches out across uh, racial lines oh absolutely and and i think i think the thing is we have terms uh for the different impoverished areas you know we think ghetto that's usually city mm -hmm. you know we think like you were saying before we talk about western kentucky the hicks and the sticks Mm -hmm. um, you right. know, trailer parks. Rural that, versus urban poverty. Yeah, right. We have that idea of a trailer park, and Absolutely. you know, and I remember watching this other documentary about um, meth in America, Oof. and watching these people. I, I, I want to say they were in Arkansas, but watching them move from place to place, and the people that owned these trailers they were moving from did nothing with them. I mean, they just, Left they were it. like, these people are going to, their whole mentality is these people are going to treat it like trash. I'm not going to sink money into it in order to right. um, put it up. And <clears throat> one of the uh, things I noticed that these people were moving around with them was a toilet. 
they were huh. they literally had to take toilets to their new homes because the people that own the trailers, the landlords, take or, them. they they wouldn't put new toilets in because they'd get messed up, they'd get stolen, whatever. They're just like we're not putting new <laughs> it's ones like a in. Currency. Yeah, and it's you know I think you talk about these older buildings around here. I, it makes me wonder how much money, you know landlords are willing to put in mm -hmm. uh, because they have a mentality of that's right they they see the the trash on the street and they're like well it's a what? slum man another word we haven't used yeah. is a slum slum yeah well, i'm slumming it man but and exactly it's hard, like, it's hard why to, fix it up too much because yeah. the next the next lowbrow tenant's just going to trash it up again is is the mentality right the mentality around yeah. here is pretty pervasive so i mean it, it's i think that's one of the things that you know i like mike was talking about mm -hmm. was that that poverty, you know, we have to start somewhere and giving pride back to the neighborhood. Right. Is it, like you said, people are starting their walk over trash. They step over trash. There's no they, pride in that. They, well, yeah. I mean, so why should, why should we do anything when the neighborhood what, as a whole is? What a but. great word that you just use pride. So I have pride. What I mean to say is I'm from a different culture. I grew up with a different uh, mentality. I don't come from this world and this mentality and this uh, this training. I was trained differently. So when I moved here, you know what I got? One of the first things I got is I went to a hardware store and I got a big, broad leaf rake and some gardening gloves and a few things because I can't live like this. In fact, as I look out, I'm due to do a, tr uh, a trash cleanup soon. But if you look down, you know, it's blocked by a few of these cars, but if you look down this uh, cinder block wall that retains our property, this guy, uh, the next building over, turned it into a junkyard. Where we all park, uh, a public space, he turned it into a junkyard. There was an old uh, barbecue, rusted blind, through the, uh, put between these cottonwood trees. Old boards laying around, piles of garbage, overflowing garbage bins, debris fields of shit. And right where I park and walk to my front door through. I can't live like that. It's depressing. I can't see that every day. So I bought a leaf rake at a hardware store. I wheeled out my garbage bin, which is only empty once a week. And I started cleaning it. I started raking up piles of garbage into piles and throwing it away. And I organized this guy's junkyard because he won't do it. I, I got all these huge sheet boards and stacked them. I'll, I can show you what I did. It, it's, it looks way better now. I stacked them. I leaned them all against a tree in one, in one pile. Another stack of boards. I raked raked away piles and piles of garbage. I wheeled this old barbecue over and put it, you know, over where it belongs. I raked up years worth of rotted leaves I, and, and, and garbage buried in leaves. You know, I, I, was, I, was on my, I was picking up garbage with my hands that I couldn't rake into, a, into the bin, into dustpans, and consolidating and organizing, and I turned a junkyard into just a more visually sane place. It's hard. I mean, one of the things that I think you're talking about, too, and you've mentioned the word hoarder before, and I think that hoarder, I don't know, it gets into this idea of, um, uh, I don't want to say more middle class, but, um, you know, people that can afford stuff. And um, and when they start this hoarding, it's it's like this cycle, you know, of depression from having all this stuff yes. not knowing what, and some people just can't let things go that's a hoarder mentality is just yes. not being able to let things go 
But um, I think some people, they get to that point too because they're, um, it starts out small and mm-hmm. they get depressed or themselves. they get, um, they become downtrodden, you know, down about yeah. it being such a mess mm-hmm. and then not being able to go and clean it up. And then it, the mess gets bigger and bigger. And so right. then the, the depression becomes more and more and it becomes, you know, feeds so on much itself. harder. Yeah. It feeds on itself and it becomes so much harder. So, I mean, for you to do that is pretty, is, um, I think what's pretty nice. Well, you're uh, talking about there's, there, there's, uh, a thing with poverty is actually a term called the scarcity principle. Scarcity mean if you have something, if you have any money, you go nuts, right? You you buy inappropriate things, you buy a TV, or you you buy shit, you buy shit you don't need. It's that on that scarcity principle that's that's walks so hand in hand with poverty and that mentality is um, when is the next time I'll have this again? I don't know, so I better go hog wild now because scarcity things are scarce. So scarcity principle can lead to hoarding. Which is so interesting, the scarcity principle that you're talking about, um, it reminds me of Depression-era thinking. Mm. People that came out of the yeah, Depression. Yeah, right. I, you know, my grandparents... The cans of the beans under the bed. food. They store food. I mean, they had two refrigerators, and they wouldn't get yeah. rid of anything because no. it was this what idea if, of... What if something happens? What if something happens? That's right. And, um, I better... Well, and here, what if something happens? I better have my... Uh, yeah. PlayStation, even though I can't pay rent. Well, I have a, well, I mean, my, my, um, I have, I know some people that, um, they grew up pretty impoverished. Uh, They lived in a school bus. Oh, wow. Um, and then they didn't have running water for years, but someone gave them one Christmas, uh, Nintendo. And so they had Nintendo before they had running water. Right. And, that that um, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is totally out of whack, you know. But it's just I don't know. I mean and <laughs> but they I mean yeah, it's just but they did for themselves. I mean they yeah. you know, they lived um they lived for themselves. They weren't gonna take any handouts or anything like sure, that. Sure, sure. Um they ended up building this great house and they did it through bartering. So wow. they would trade services with Amazing. other people to get them to help on the house, and then they go help about these that? other people do other stuff. Old but old school, you know. I like yeah, that. total old school. But yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, and but at the same time, it's like why, you know, we can think about um, ideas that, um, you know, oh, you should do this. You should save your money for this. You shouldn't buy extravagant things. But then again, it's like. Why shouldn't people have a couple sure. of extravagant things? Why shouldn't they have the niceties where your life is niceties. miserable? Why not have some pleasures? Yeah, why, yeah, you gotta have some pleasures. Well, and that's where life. drugs come into play. Is that escapism and that cathartic? So first of all, everyone, most of the people on the circle here are drug dealers. There's this guy uh, over yonder in this sort of trailer. His name's Pops. We all call him Pops, and it's him and an old and an old lady. Him and his old lady. And you're living here, it's like a cartoon. These are cartoon characters. They're caricatures. They're so larger in life and animated that anymore, I just, I, I, I'm laughing every day. You know, there's a tragedy to it, but there's also, you, you can see the humor in it. I mean, I'm just going to dive into some stories. You know, there's, <laughs> so Pops and his old lady, they're drug dealers. I saw him get re-upped the other day. A big old shipment got brought in, if you know what I'm saying. I see drug deals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There I am standing in my kitchen with my bowl of whatever, my plate of whatever. I'm eating lunch. I'll look out the window, and I'll see drug deals. I'll see someone walk up to the stairs, and there's always a very subtle exchange of hands, a passage of hands. They don't stay long, and then they're gone. 
all hours of day and night. At 2 a.m., I'm letting my little Aussie cattle dog out. There's someone idling, waiting near the stoop for their stuff. 3 a.m., 4 a.m., waiting for the stoop near their stuff. They're always out. They're always standing in a pool of light at the stoop in their jackets, smoking, whatever, looking for action. You see what I'm saying? Always. I see it constantly. And, but they're caricatures. It's, kind of, it's so funny. So in Pops' place, it's a closed yard. It's this, and it's so trafficked and tread, tread by dog paw that there's no grass. It's just a dirt yard with a chain link fence enclosing it. And these dogs never leave either the inside of the house or the boundaries of this fenced yard. That is their whole world. And there is a herd of them. And they let them out in this barking, yapping herd. It's like five or six dogs. And they will bark up a tumultuous tempest of a storm. And then the old lady will come out and start screaming to top them. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. And it's like... Seven in the morning, instead of a, instead of a, uh, a rooster crowing the dawn to herald the day, <laughs> it's this old lady, shit, you fuck, and all these dogs are like, rrr, 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 rrr. I'm like, oh, <laughs> time to go work on the, go work in the junkyard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Time to and, go move some crap. And I can hear dawn by Grieg. Na, 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 You know, I'm like, wow, but it's not quite so idyllic. That's one side. On the flip side, the homies are always, you know, hanging out in the stoop, taking care of whoever needs whatever, if you know what I'm saying. They're my pulse to the street. They're how I know what's going on around here. They're the action. They're the friendly ones. They're the talkative ones. So the other day, this is what? Not even a month ago, like three, three and a half weeks ago, I take Perth, the Aussie cattle dog, to a new park right down the street. It's this little park, a little dingy park. Just like, you know, give them some laughs. And all of a sudden I hear, pa, 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 pa. And I stop and I listen. I turn my head and I'm like listening. It was quiet before and it was quiet after. But I'm like, that sounded like gunshot. But almost it didn't at the same time. It was a crackling, not unlike a firecracker, fireworks. But in the middle of the day, a sunny day, I'm like, what the hell? And I hear no commotion afterwards. And I'm thinking, gosh, it sounded far away. And if it's far away, it, it, it almost sounded like fireworks. And yet it sounded close. And if it was close, it sounds like fireworks. But if it was far away and I hear it that clearly, could it be gunshot? I don't know. I don't know. But I kind of shake it off like, nah, it's fine. I get Perth in the car and we drive around looking for a recycling center because there's no recycling around here and I'm desperate to recycle my goods. Again, I'm from Park City, an environmental mountain town. My mentality is recycling. Around here, garbage barely gets it in the bin, but barely reaches a bin. So we go to find a recycling center. Oh, 45, 50 minutes later, I'm coming back home, and there's a police blockade. The whole street and intersection is cordoned off. There's four, five, six cop cars with flashing lights. Cops are standing there looking down at something. Is it a body? Is it, what are they looking at? Uh, crime scene investigation cars pulling up. I have to figure out some other way home. I, I have to reroute. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, shit. I go up. I go up to uh, my drug dealer homie across the way. Uh, and I'm like, yo, what the fuck is up? And as a joke, I'm like, who called cop? Who cried cop? And he's like, yo, man, you, you hear those shots? And I'm like, what? 
this is like maybe an hour after the fact, right? He's like, you hear those shots? About an hour ago, I'm like, those were gunshots? He's like, yeah, man, those are gunshots. Something's fucking going down. And this is right in front of a park. There's this little kid's park where I walk my dog through a, a long strip of green space. There's some trees, there's some grass, there's a big toy, and it loops back into my little quadplex. Right in front of a kid's playground was where all the cops had closed off the intersection. Turns out it made the news. A guy went to his, this is funny, if you look at the Salt Lake Tribune, you can find this story. It's not even a month old yet. A guy went to, here's how they worded it, the mother of his child's home. Johnny, what's another word for uh, the mother of your child? Baby mama? Baby mama. They wouldn't just say baby mama. So this guy shows up to his baby mama's house. He's pounding on the door. She's not letting him in. It's locked. Well, he gets impatient. And he does what any reasonable Rose Park guy does. (laughs) That's a joke. And he goes to his car, and he opens up his trunk, and he pulls out an AK-47. Now, for all you listeners who maybe aren't versed in basic uh, gun knowledge, that is the most... That is the most common uh, 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 assault rifle in the world, used by all sorts of civil war and militias and militaries in Africa and Russia and the world over. An AK-47, an assault rifle. And he goes up to the door, and he fires off a warning round. That's easy enough, right? You know, you know he's a reasonable man. Easy enough. I just want a one warning shot, you know. You know. It, it, he's polite. giving her a chance. Just to be polite. He's giving her a chance. Seems reasonable. We'd all just plug off one round, right? And then he looks in and he sees what he thinks is another guy in there with his baby mama. And he <laughs> unloads the entire round of 20, the clip of 29 rounds. 29 rounds he unloads. That's what I heard when I am just down the street, in a straight line, same street, maybe 500 feet away, letting my dog out. What gave me pause. Then, point made, he takes the gun, walks back across the street, puts the AK-47 back into his trunk and drives away. Now, people all heard the shots, they ran into their windows, they pulled out their phone and they found footage of him. They filmed this guy going, (laughs) carrying the gun and putting it away. We can say safely that none of these guys are super criminals. Uh, These are a crime of passion, they're not really thought through. So that's what the cops were responding to, and they were they were uh, cording out the casings for ballistics, right? And you know they catch the guy like half an hour later. You know it wasn't hard to find. So we're talking a stone throw from my front door, a shooting. Later that week, get this. So I say that I with these guys across the way, they got a pulse on the streets, and this is how I know what's going on. So Jordan, my hot little honey of a wife, gets up. To go to work. She's a social worker. Interestingly enough, she shouldn't be driving anywhere to work. She should just be working here in the hood. <laughs> There's plenty of social work needed. <laughs> she tries to go to work. She can't because cops have every artery of our streets blocked off because there's a huge incident. She's like, what the hell? She has to reroute and find some way out of the hood to get to work. She texts me, Jason, there's all these cop cars blocking everything. Something's going on. I'm like, what? I come out the door. It's early in the morning. I come out the door. I put on my wheat Tims. You know, that's the uniform around here. And I walk down the alley behind the house. And sure enough, there's a squad car with lights on blocking my advance. I'm like, what the hell? Me and my dog are sort of looking quizzically around. 
And I, not unlike my puppy, have my head cocked to one side in a perturbed and questioning manner, like, what the hell's going on? Again, I walk up to the, to the homies on the stoop. <laughs> Same thing. I'm like, yo, who called, who cried cop? And he starts saying, I had to, man. I had to. Don't give me shit. I had to. And I realize he's serious. I'm playing. He's serious. I'm like, well, are you serious? He's like, yeah, man. I called the police. I'm like, what? What the hell's ha happened? What's going on? Here's how it began. The whole event precipitated at his house, which is basically my house. We're talking, I can go out my door and with a very mild snowball throw, hit where they hang out. There's this guy named Buttons around the hood. We call him Buttons because he's got a big old button tattoo on his diaphragm. Buttons. Now, Buttons thinks he's a bad, bad dude. He walks around with a baseball bat stuck with nails. Um, he carries a gun. He really thinks he's a tough guy. He likes to intimidate people. He's a drug dealer. And just one circle over, and that's a, that's a healthy football pass away from me. He lives in an RV. He lives in a fucking RV with his wife and four children. You can imagine the state of that RV, and he cooks up meth and shit in that RV. He, he pedals the hard shit, and he's got four kids in an RV. The more... I've only been here six Bizarro weeks. Cousin Eddie. It is, man. And the, the, I've only been here six weeks. The longer I stay, the more stories I have. Because every day, every day I have something. Anyway, he cooks up drugs. He intimidates people. Carries a gun. Toys this bat. Bad dude, right? Wants to be feared by all. Well, apparently Buttons was hanging out with the homies. Right here. Right, right, out, right outside my door. Early in the morning, like 2 a.m., an argument ensued, as it does. Things escalated, as they do around here. And Buttons hauls off and punches one of the homies. Close fist, puts a gash right in his jaw. One of the guys is standing there to attest to this. I'm like, what, let me see your jaw. He lifts up his chin. He's got a gash on his jawline right here. And look, this is the same guy who lives in that filthy squalor apartment with the stench in the air and trash and filth everywhere. I'm like, buddy, you got anything to take care of that? He's like, oh, it's all cool. You want to talk toxic masculinity? I'm like, yo, man, let me take care of this for you. I go inside my house. I get some triple antibiotic ointment. I get him a Band-Aid. I get him an ice pack of ice. I'm like, get this on the jaw, ice down. You're swollen, man. You're inflamed. You know, hold this on for 20 minutes. You know, like, come on, take it. I put a Band-Aid on his jaw. Like, come on, man. A little ointment, you know. Let's take care of your ass. All right, so what happened? Story goes, the argument ensued. Buttons hauls off and punches this guy in the, in, in the face. And everyone just gets on buttons. What the fuck? What are you crazy, man? Get the hell out of here. Why the hell would you do that? You know, a lot of shouting, a lot of arguing. Buttons pulls out a gun, shoves it right in my homie's face. He says, what if I fucking kill you? How about that? How about I fucking shoot you right in the fucking face? I'll kill you, motherfucker. Now, the drug dealer in question with the dogs who lives right here, born and raised in Rose Park, of the streets of the hood, he doesn't back down. He doesn't show he's scared. He's like, pull the trigger, motherfucker. You won't. You know, he's calling his bluff. He calls his bluff. And as he's got a gun trained right in his face, stuck right in his face, over his shoulder, he tells his daughter, call the cops. Call the cops on this punk. And she calls the cops right there. Calls 911. There's a gun being pointed at my dad. Buttons panics. Realizes his bluff has been called. He starts getting out of there. He, he hands the gun to his wife. The story goes, here, baby, put your fingerprints on this. And they make a break for their RV, just one circle over. 
well, this is the hood. This is Rose Park. So the cops come running right away. They're like, they respond within a minute. Like, within two minutes, cops are converging on the circle. Buttons makes a run for his RV. The wife doesn't make it. They nab the wife and arrest her. But Buttons makes it to his RV and barricades himself in. And it became a seven-hour police standoff with his four kids inside the RV with him. We know he's armed. He has a gun. And he won't come out. Cops surround the RV. They block all entrances and exits to the, to, to the circle, hence why Jordan couldn't get to work easily. There's police helicopter. There's a social worker. There's negotiators, and they're trying to talk him out of the RV. And how many charges do we got? We got assault. He punched a guy in the face. Well, he's a jailbird. He's a convict, so he's not allowed to have a weapon, so possession of an illegal weapon. There's assault. You know, intent with a, a firearm. There's intent with a deadly weapon, right? Yeah. There's what? We can throw in kidnapping because he's holed up with his kids. Yeah. You know, he won't come out. Child endangerment. Drug charges because he's cooking drugs in the RV. I mean, this, what the hell? So that's just mourning. That's just la, 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 la. That's just mourning. That's two in one week. The shooting was a Tuesday, and the police standoff with buttons is a Friday. That's one week. It's maybe week three here, right? It goes on this morning. <laughs> this morning, and I'm asking, again, this I'm is a- this is the interesting life that you live. Oh man, this morning. Oh, okay, even a few mornings ago, me and Jordan, we're we're in bed, we're sleeping. It's the early morning, and again, instead of a rooster heralding the dawn, we hear as if right by our window, practically like someone shouting into our <laughs> window, "Motherfucker, I'll fuck your shit up." I will fuck your shit up. And we like, our heads come off the pillow. And we're like, huh? Like, yeah, walk away, motherfucker. I'll fuck your shit up. Motherfucker. Someone just getting, I'm waiting for a shot to follow, man. Someone just getting in someone's face. And it's like early, man. It means these people never went to bed. It's like 7.30, motherfucker. I will fuck your shit up. With intent, passion, and verve. Force and verve. This guy meant it. Whoever he was saying that to, oh, he meant it. And my head comes off the pillow. And I kind of listen for a sec. I'm like, eh. <laughs> and I go back to sleep for another 20 minutes. You know, so no uh, shots like, fired, no no blood shots drawn. fired, any shit, right? We're good. Even this morning, there's this guy. There's this guy who lives across the way. Um, he's a cool guy. He's a Mexican guy. He's got a bunch of face tattoos. And he, uh, I haven't seen him in a while. And we're in, like, when I see him, I mean, we dap, you know, we, we, you know, we, we shoot the shit, whatever. The other day I was wearing a, 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 my Playboy beanie. It's a black beanie with, the, with like, a golden Playboy bunny emblem on it. it it's, it's sassy. I like it. I'm wearing a Playboy. Just like you, a little sass. I'm in my wheat tin. A little sassy. I'm in my wheat tin with my little Playboy beanie. He's like, yo, Jason, it's a sick-ass beanie, Holmes. It's a sick-ass beanie. I like that beanie. Like, he, he liked it. I haven't seen this guy in, like, two weeks. I'm like, where is it? Where is this guy? Just this morning. I'm like, so, so where, where is he? They're like, oh man, he's in, uh, pri- uh, he's in jail in Texas. I'm like, what? We're in Salt Lake. The guy leaves my side for two weeks. He's in jail in Texas. What the hell? Let's call him Benny. Names have been changed to protect the innocent or supposed innocent. I'm like, yeah, where's Benny? Oh yeah, Benny's in Texas. In jail. Turns out. Benny had been saying, like, I, I got, I'm, go, I'm going to do a job down in Texas. I'm going to do a job. You know, I'll be gone for a few weeks. He was vague and cryptic about this job, and I say this with air quotes. You know what it was? What's Texas right next to? 
Oh, uh, Oklahoma? I think south. Oh. I think south of the border. Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> right, he went for a nice swim. But returning from the swim, he tried to smuggle 18 illegal immigrants into the country and got busted. Really? That was his job. So he lives up here in Salt Lake, but he's a coyote down in Texas. He lives in Texas now. Wow. I can't believe it. Uh, this is this morning. As Perth. Everybody's got to travel for work, you know. Yeah, as pup, as the puppy is playing with the, uh, the, the chihuahua of the circle, and I'm leaning on a chain link fence, I'm getting the word on the street, which is, yeah, Benny is in jail. He got busted. And I don't think he did it in some creative way. How the hell would you expect to get away with that? It's like some big-ass van or U-Haul or some shit. Hiding the furniture. People, you know, get away with it all the time. Hiding the furniture. But 18, supposedly 18. So that's 18 counts. Sounds like counts. you just got unlucky. That's 18 counts of, well, I don't know what the charge is. Yeah, I don't know. But, but he had gone into Mexico. I guess they could charge him with, depending on how he was doing it, if he was charging them money or it could be human trafficking. Human trafficking, 18 counts. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think this, is a, this was a money involvement. Like he was doing a gig. He was doing right. a job. Is the so word. depending on the state of the people that he was, you know, bringing in, you know, it definitely could be human trafficking. Yeah. So we're not gonna see Benny for a while, just like we won't see Buttons for a while. Buttons and Benny. And in the wa- all and the, the bees. In the meantime, um, Buttons' crew, in vengeance for the cops being called on him, they called DCFS on my neighbors. Really. And so the other day I'm out and they're like. Man, this is bullshit. I'm like, what's going on? I was like, they called DCFS. I'm like, who? I was like, fucking B- Buttons crew. Remember, I told you about the state of that place. Yeah, yeah. That's child endangerment, right? This is no, this is no way to not only um, an environment for a kid, yeah, but to teaching what this, what is okay for this kid. So this woman came in from DCFS. This is this is child welfare for all you out there, you know, child protective services, and she did a perusal of the joint. And by all accounts, they said that she wasn't too severe on them. She said it was like a Wednesday. She's like, I'm going to come back Monday and I want to see all this stuff fixed. And there was a list. Pick up the dog shit. No more dog shit. No more open feces in this yeah. place. You guys are going to get sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there was, there was um, dangerous implements like you know, kitchen knives and stuff that, that, that could have been in reach of the child. There's this, there's that. If you can fix all this, like we're good. And not out of pride, but out of necessity, they sprang into action. And made improvements to the place. And they were proud of it. And they said, hey, come check it out. It's way better. And I was sort of like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. And I sort of, you know, big breath go in. And it was it was noticeably better, but not good by any standard still, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so even, even, even that drama. And, and just little things. There's little things every day. Farrell, let's take the dog for a walk after this. For a 10-minute yes, walk. Let's. And I want to see what you see. Let's see what you see. Well, I mean, the and thing about it is, is, you know, I've lived in areas like this before. Mm-hmm. Where have you lived? Well, like this, when I lived in, this is a smaller version, but when oh. I lived in Nevada, the yeah. small town I lived in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived in this apartment complex. It was a U-shaped complex, mm-hmm. horseshoe-shaped complex. And the cops were always parked outside my door because we lived in um, the right-hand side of the end of the horseshoe. We lived on the top apartment of two-story okay. apartment building, you know. And so directly diagonal down from us on the other side was 
one of the local meth dealers. Because oh, we that's the kinda, real Breaking Bad. We shit. saw we saw people going in and out, back oh, and forth. Yeah. And I actually got, I was driving, the lady I was with at the time had actually, funnily enough, just come from Texas. Ah. And so she hadn't changed her plates yet. And we'd been there for a while. Oh, no. So the cops, they pulled me over one time when I was going to the gym. And they said, yeah, I know you've had these plates for a long time because we're interested in some of your neighbors. So I see your truck out there all the time. I'm like, oh, that's great. You were um, a person of interest too. Uh, well, so how you doing? Where you going? Yeah. Might well, not, I wasn't a person of interest because of, um, you know, they knew who was who was, um, they knew everybody in the apartment building and who they should suspect and not suspect. Sure, sure, sure. But um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then um, and oh god, it was so funny too because our um. They had, you know how the inside part, the inside doors, are always a little flimsy. Sure. Compared to an out an outdoor yeah, yeah, yeah. door, you know your your exterior entrance, door, your, yeah. your exterior door. Thank you. Um, and they had an um uh, an interior door for the exterior door. And we were just like, God, any, I could kick this in. Wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was just, I'm just looking at it. I'm like, I'm glad we don't have anything of extravagance See? because See? I could kick this in. And um, so, I mean, you know, and then also I've been to, you know, I've had friends that have lived in trailer parks. I've mm, had friends that sure. have lived, um, you know, in the um, on the poor side of town that I've gone to visit. Yeah. And again, I mean, they keep it, they, people keep it as clean as they can. But when you live in a dilapidated trailer or apartment, right. there's only so much you can do. That's right. And, and so there is a pride thing, but when you, you reach a level, I mean, it's not like you're going to, you're renting this place. Right. You're not going to gut it and remodel it for no, the No, I'm not going to be raking garbage every yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. You know, outside. But I remember, so my friend um, at the time, he was living in a single wide with his girlfriend and she worked at the vet, the vet's office. Okay. And she'd always bring stray animals home. I thought you say dog tranquilizer. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> a lot God. of ketamine. Um, <laughs> but so, so one day she brought home this cat and they didn't realize the cat was pregnant. And oh, so she shit. had her litter and there were just kittens everywhere. So, oh I mean, you know, you have animals. You just, there's going to be piss smell. There's going to be yes. crap. Even even if it's not on the floors, you know, even yeah. it's just going to be there. Right. And so my friend is sitting there playing video games. And um, I had someone else with me. And we're talking to him. And he's on, he's sitting on this couch um, against the wall. And then we're to the left of him on another couch, so like an L shape, right? Okay. And we're watching him, and he's just got these kittens crawling all over him. <laughs> I mean, just all over him. And one of them miraculously makes it to the top of his head, and they're so small, it just plants itself on top <laughs> of his head, there. just sits down. <laughs> you know, and he's just he's just playing his video game like this is a normal thing. So again, what you're talking right. about, people being accustomed the normalcy to things, getting of, trained. The normalcy of things that can be horrendous. Yeah. And so <laughs> the guy I was with, the guy I was with at the time, um, or you know, that I brought over there, he looks at him and he saw, Wow, you must really love animals. And my buddy turned pauses his game, just rotates his head. You know, without moving his body, rotates his head to us and goes, 
I hate fucking animals. <laughs> <laughs> and then just rotates back and starts playing his game. Doesn't even again. correct the kitten on his and head. Then the, yeah, the cat's just there because he's just become a cat. He has a cat yarmulke, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been around these places yeah. and um, and I've lived in these places. People are just people everywhere you go, but there are but different. I've, I mean, but, you know, at the same time. Yeah. And you've you've experienced this as well. You know, we're fortunate that we have um, kind of a safety net of family, family help. Yeah. Not everyone so, has it. Oh, and, and not and, everybody and has. That. We're saving up a storm to get out of here. Right. And so, and, and buy something or, or live a better life elsewhere. Yeah. This is just a temporary. But we talk about. I mean, you know, you look at things like a raisin in the sun. Sure. Oh, it's yeah. About Sydney Poitier. Yes. You know, a family moving, trying, to better, trying yeah. to move to a better, more affluent, but ultimately white neighborhood of Chicago. Right. But they have, in the they have the money they have to save up. And right. The things they have to go through. To and do they're that. in like and a cramped one be- one bathroom yeah. uh, Chicago apartment. That's uh, what a great plug. And I and actually, if anyone of you wants to see a fantastic film, that's Sidney Poitier, the great Sidney Poitier, who's still with us, Raisin in the Sun, fantastic, yeah. on um, the the racism and the classism classism involved in real estate. Yeah. Real estate, well, real estate well, is racist is as well. Yes, real estate I mean, is racist as well. Because um, you look at... Uh, God, I mean, living in New York, I saw gentrification mm-hmm. of, uh, and that's why they have, you know, these dedicated um, affordable housing mm-hmm. complexes right. because otherwise you know, developers would come in there and just, they push, they're pushing everybody out, you know? That's right. And um, it's just, it's, it's interesting. Look, but I, I got pushed out of my own hometown. I got pushed out you of Park City. You got priced out of Park City. Park City is so gentrified now. What I mean to say is, look, when I was a kid growing up in the 90s, there's a lot more dirt under its fingernails. Park City had a bit more edge to it. There was an old, uh, you know, greasy spoon mom and pop diner called the Mountain Air Cafe. The Mountain Air Cafe. And I loved it. And these old, old Korean war vets would sit and in the early '90s, smoke at the at the bar, at the stool, at the stooled at the bar, counter. at the counter right there of this old timey diner, and you know Korean War vets and old miners, retired miners, are still in Park City from when the mines had closed, and you know these old craggy guys, and just had dirt under his fingernails, and had these lifer waitresses, you know waitresses who've been doing this 30 years in this cafe. It's no more. Now it's a slick brewery, right? I've watched over the years as bit by bit Park City's lost that dirt under the fingernails and gotten more and well, more I mean, gentrified. Well, it started out as a mining town. Mining town and those yeah. old miners. And now, and I'm, I'm well. I'm, now I'm, they have they have the parks or the they call it the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, but yeah. it's filmed in Park City. Right, right. It's up exactly. in Park City, and you don't get a Real Housewives show mm-hmm. unless you're in a very exactly. affluent upper upper class. That's right community and it's interesting you know parks it was pretty dilapidated I, li- I moved there in like 92 and it was dilapidated the iconic osgathorpe barn that big white barn yeah, yeah. postcard park city when you first go into town yeah that was pre-renovation it was weathered rusted blind run down ramshackle and they restored it they did a whole community initiative like in the mid 90s to make it the postcard image it is now all the mountains the silos the barn the river the creek the willows ah Every photographer, <laughs> every painter is taking a crack yeah, at right? it. <laughs> and I remember when it was a ramshackle, ramshackle. And Park Main Street was nothing but cracked sidewalks. 
and yeah. and, 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 and now and, it's upper, it's high end. It's all been gutted, renovated. It's it's all gentrified. And restaurants and the ultimate tragedy, well, for me anyway, and many is that. Uh, true locals are being priced out of their hometown. I yeah. can't afford to live in Park City. I'm here in Rose yeah. Park keeping my head down, literally, from AK-47 rounds and just saving enough money to get out and buy something uh, somewhere else in the valley, Yeah, you know, in the next few years. And until then, slumming it up, you know, but I'm not too good for it. And we, you talked about earlier, you said something about what's normal, the normalcy of things. Already, I feel a normalcy about it. I, I, I feel myself being conditioned and a bit benumbed to the garbage and to the crime and to all the stuff going on yeah. around me. I absorb it like a sponge. It fascinates me. To me, it's more experiential. It's like an adventure. And it's like I'm cataloging, like, wow, remember this, remember this, remember that. For example, I don't know, even... In the future, when I look back on this era of my life and say, haha, remember when? Remember when we lived in the Western Rose Park? Remember when we lived in the hood and slummed it up? We can authenticate slum scenes and movies from here on out. We can look at a movie if it's in the hood and be like, that's real, that's legit, or no, there's not enough garbage. You guys got to put garbage in more places. You know, it, it, it's, it, it, gives well, you an, it, it gives you an insight into how not just the other half lives, how a majority can live often, depending on where you are. Well, and it's so fun. I mean, you talk about the state of your neighbor's apartment and it made me think of these guys i knew who were um lived in a really nice apartment and when i lived in that small town in nevada yeah. and um they they were the biggest slobs right and they would i mean they would have old mcdonald's bags this one guy had them just strewn about <sighs> his room like like trophies yeah, exactly. I and ate this. it was yeah, I I remember when, you know, when I was coming home from the bars and I just had this great Big Mac. You know, he wanted to keep that uh keep that memory alive. But um <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they were just slobs. It's mentality, yeah. And and I think you're right. it goes back to um and I think it 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 crosses economic lines. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just um again it's about it's a it's a mentality like it's, you said yeah. and it, it comes it's hard it's hard to overcome i mean it's i don't hard to break out of that yeah well and it's it's like right like not to sound like a per- parent or like i'm passing down life lessons but but um life choices these people across the way the homies the drug dealers across the way bad life choices right i didn't tell you the update they're evicted no they're, really they ain't here anymore I, they're in and out today but um, I showed up a few days ago. No, actually, I'm at the gym a few days ago. And my hot little honey calls me. And they're like, hey, so they got evicted. They're locked out. They changed the locks. Really? Oh, cause, oh look, look, look. That's terrible. Look, these people live like animals, right? Except that's an insult but, to animals. Animals don't live in their own shit. They don't. Yeah, but still, right? I mean, to be locked out of your home. During so Corona and the winter. awful. It's brutal. And, yeah. and I have compassion. And I was like, oh, no. Plus, we like them. They're our friends. They're actually the friendliest people on the circle. They're our pulse on, on, the, on the hood. We, we know what's going on through them. And our dogs play together. He's got this great uh, half red healer, half Sharpe that plays with my little uh, red healer pup. I put him in the backyard, and they play up a storm. Great socialization for him. I like him here, actually. Um, it's a lot more interesting with him, and it's not the same without him. It's kind of quiet around here now. A few nights ago, they got evicted. Um, they've been squatting there, man. They haven't been paying rent for months. This, the, this, oh, wow. the slumlord landlord was trying to get them out for months. There was litigation. There was lawyers. They're doing squatters' rights. They're kind of rats, not leaving. 
Finally, they just locked them out. They changed the locks. So they're all standing there out in an ass, you know, like uh, with, with only a barrel to their name. Like, what are we going to do? And they tried to, they tried to pawn their dog off on us. Oh, will, you, wow. will you take our dog? We don't know where we're going to go. But the dog is in house broke. The dog's almost two years old. Look, they can barely run their own lives. You think they have time to train a dog? So the dog shits all over their place. We, we have our hands full with the puppy, trying to properly train the puppy. Yeah, yeah they're great playmates, but we're kind of like, we don't know what to do with this dog. And we both work. We leave during the day. This dog's going to shit us out of house and home. So it was a terrible call to make, but Jordan called me. Like, let me ask Jason. I'm at the gym. She calls me. She tells me the story. Will you take the dog? Jordan and I talk it over. It's just a logistical impossibility. And she has to go out. She has to go out, and she said, this is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. She was stalling. She was avoiding it. But after the phone call, she, got, she went out to the dark and cold where they're all just standing there trying to decide what to do and where to go to tell them, sorry, but we can't take your dog. We, 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 we yeah. can't. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a misbehaved, ill-trained dog that's big. Well, and, we, and you we, can and just we, go from the standpoint of it's just not logistically possible. That's what we said. We, we got our hands full at Perth. We work. This dog would spend a lot of time alone. All this is true. Yeah. And <laughs> you just can't uh, afford it. We, 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 we couldn't do it, but yeah. they had to figure out something else. They, they went off into the night to find a motel, and the dog went with them. And it was just so sad. And then the next, you know, you know and I came back later that night. And they had broken in. They had broken into their place. They had gone through the window and were just getting the stuff out that they needed. Yeah. And trying to figure out where to go. And, that's, and, and there, was this, there was this dichotomy. There was a moment where, you know, I, I'm like, oh, fuck, what's going on, guys? What's, oh, man, where are you going to go? What's gonna, what are you going to do? Oh, no, you know. But there was this moment where it was time for me to go into my house, my world, my clean, well-decored, well-kept apartment with my books and my, my little wife and my little puppy, right, where we don't have a problem to pay rent. And we're making different life choices, right? Different life choices. Yeah. And there was th- that was the, the, the flagrant split was me going into my world, my place. Like, well, good luck, you know, like shit. And leaving them out on the street to figure out their shit as they're bringing piles of their belongings through out, out the window. Wow. Trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And you know what? This is like their third or fourth eviction. This is their lifestyle. You'd think... You'd think that they no. would change, that they would, hey, this isn't working. But we all have to work. We all have to pay rent. This isn't working. We're going from one squalid situation to the other, out of the frying pan to a fire, to a fire, to a fire, to a frying pan, to a yeah. fire. But they don't see like that. Again, it's sort of a fractured mentality. They don't see that it begins and ends with them. The problem is them. You get evicted everywhere you go. This is no way to live. And look what this is doing to this kid. Even this dog. You could lose a dog. And the kid... I saw him today. They're, they're here trying to get, they're getting some more stuff and they're just kind of hanging out. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm bored. I'm, bo- I'm staying in a motel. Sick. I'm bored. I'm bored. There's no yeah. action, right? So they're here and I was happy to see him. Like, you're back. What's going on? Oh my God. And like, I'm just bored and we're getting some stuff. And they got this little kid, right? And the little kid keeps saying, I want to go home. Can we go home? I want to go home. No, they can't go home. We're locked out of home. So that's, what, that's the point I keep making is, oh, my God. It's just it's so hard to see that. You can so, you can so s- clearly see where they need an intervention. And it's not like saying, oh, I know better. I'm better. Uh, you know, I'm passing down life lessons. That's not what I'm saying. It's just it comes down to you can just see what different choices they can make to have a different life. None of them work. They just sling drugs here and there, and they, they don't work. They, stay, they, they just hang out in the stoop all day. They're able-bodied people. They could work. They could pay the rent. You pay your rent, you're yeah. there. But again, I mean, it you goes stay. back to the idea of, you know, 
if you were to ask them, what do they need? You know, what do they need as far as help? It'd be interesting to hear what they say. You know, do they say we just, you know, would they say think I just need a job or would they just say money? Uh, money? Well, actually, and who did, knows? He, he did say that today. I said, so what are you guys doing? It's like, well, we're looking at a place on Friday. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, the next place you're going to burn and outstay your welcome well, and like be there's, evicted. There's and a like, book, White Trash um, Living, I think is what White it's called. White Trash Living. And, and these people, what they'll do is like the owner of the RV park, right? What they do is they rent out, they, what do they do? They sell the trailer to them dirt cheap, or they rent the trailer out, or they sell it to them dirt cheap, but they, um, you know, as a loan, right? Right. So the people are paying off the trailer, and then they rent the pad, the space to them for that trailer. And the reasoning behind this is that the people that rent these trailers or buy these trailers or rent these spots, they'll actually take off in the middle of the night with the trailer, <laughs> right? And without paying it off. But where the oh, man. where the property owner makes their money is by renting the um they basically write the trailer off from the get. You know, it's like if yeah. they get money any money from the trailer, awesome. But where they get the money is from the renting the space, right? And so, and they have this mentality, these uh, property owners, that this person's just going to take off. They're going to take off. I'm going to try and get the money out, you know, <laughs> that I can out of them. And it's it's really interesting, the That's mentality bizarre. of, like, we call them, you know, Damage it's, it's easy to say slumlord. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, you're you're dealing with people that have a certain mentality. Mm -hmm. And they have this idea that, I mean, even, I, you go back to the crash of 08, Yes. There was people that were making a ton of money, right? In in this little town in Elko where I used to live because they were gold miners. And literally gold miners. Literally gold miners. And um and what was happening was these guys they would get these $65,000, $70,000 a year jobs right out of high school or a year removed. They'll go to, you know, yeah. a trade school in sure. Elko. Learn mining engineering. Right. And, and, and there then, you are. You're making a seven yeah, grand. And holy shit. Being a welder, an electrician, Whatever. diesel mechanic. And so they're 19, 20 years old, you know, a lot of them. And they're making a ton of money. So they go out and they buy these really expensive trucks where they're paying $600 a month you know, on the truck and then they'll buy ski doos and freaking you toys. Know, yeah. Sleds and all this other stuff. And they've priced themselves out of, you know, their, what they can afford, um, their living expenses. Yeah. They've, they've toyed and, first. And, and so when the yeah. crash happened, um, or actually, yeah, when the crash happened and a lot of them couldn't afford, to pay, uh, you know, uh, well, gold went up, I guess, when the, or was. Gold's here to stay, Jenny. Yeah. But um, anyway, a lot of them, a lot of them ended up just leaving. They left their, their sleds. Just left, left out, they skipped just town. Left, they skipped out. And it Shit. happened to a lot of people, though, during, when the crash like, happened. Like defaulting, defaulting on your mortgage, yeah, defaulting they just on your everything. Left, they just left the house. They're like, we can't afford this. <laughs> I'm, I'm and they just left. I mean, so it's. Change your you name. Know, it's leave. as if some of these people are perpetually in that state. Like yeah, my and neighbors like they're perpetually like they're gonna get evicted again because nothing's changed. Their mentality hasn't changed. It's just normal to them, and it's interesting to see what's normal around here. 
Here's another well, story. Well, what you. normal, you know, becomes for anybody. Right. I mean, it's easy for, uh, you know, me to say, uh, growing up in middle class family. Yeah. I became accustomed to certain things. Sure. And my poor life choices of being an artist. <laughs> and here you are Way now. Way to go, Johnny. Doing this podcast Let's, with negative listeners. With, yeah. Yeah, with negative listeners. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think about that. I think At least about, we have each other. I think about, you know, if I were to have a family someday, how I can't afford to give them the lifestyle that my parents were but my parents worked their asses off yeah you know and we lived we didn't always have a home we had to live with family every now and again yeah yeah yeah. and um but my my parents worked their asses off and they but they tried to give us things that may have been out of their um you know cost of living uh realm whatever Mm -hmm. i'm losing my vocabulary no i i hear you i hear you but um yeah totally. so and but you know going back to the story you know we lived in a in a fairly nice neighborhood in elko and um and my dad there i mean but we had you know there was rednecks there was hicks that lived in that because they had really good paying jobs right they had really good paying jobs but their mentality yeah was still that same thing of you know so it's not it's like how people are raised as well, you it know? Is, and right. so, so these people, even though they had money, they were still what you might consider white trash. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time coming out, it was like an episode of cops, man. I came <laughs> out, I came out and this I'm white girl, trash and I'm in trouble. This girl, she was a few years older than me and my buddies. She lived down the street and her, and her mom got into this huge screaming match. I mean, she lived a good hundred yards away. And we could just hear it echoing through that through the neighborhood. And then her mom tackles her to the ground in the driveway and starts banging her head against the no cement. Shit. And we're, I'm just I, we're watching this unfold, you know, and we're calling the cops and we're trying to get people out there. And but, you know, to watch this, this is just a dramatic mentality, mm-hmm. you know, and. And even though it doesn't matter if you get money, money doesn't solve everything. No, it definitely helps. Don't get me wrong. Money yeah, is yeah, yeah. <laughs> money is a nice. great equalizer, but it doesn't it doesn't change your mentality. It doesn't change how you were brought up. It doesn't change. I mean, you look at the the funny, of course, is one is the Beverly Hillbillies. Sure, they're still hillbillies. They're millionaires. They but what was they, funny? They still, they still don't know how to act. Yeah, but what was funny? What made the show funny was that. They were still hillbillies. The red and they were, were living in Beverly Hills, you know. Yeah. And so, um, and then another story. I remember we were playing horseshoes one time, and um, this very affluent family. They owned a local distributorship. Um, I think they're the milk distributors in town. Wow. And they had some money, and they came up. They came up to us. We're playing horseshoes. Milk money. Yeah, milk money. Absolutely, <laughs> milk Big money. Milk money. But they came up to us one time, uh, and it was at night, and we're in this park right across from the police station. I mean, stone's throw away from the police station. We can see the station from where we are. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of how close we are. Station inside. And they come up. It's it's them. It's the husband and wife. And then their teenage son, and they start yelling at us. They're looking for some guy. They're like, where's this guy? Where's this guy? Where's Benny? <laughs> we'll call him Benny, too. Benny. Where's, Not Texas Benny. Where's but. Benny? And we're like, who? We don't know this person. Why are you yelling at us? And then they start making phone calls, and they start you know, trying to figure out where this guy is. And then other people, their, fam- their other family members start showing up in this parking lot. 
And then finally, after about 30, 45 minutes, we're, we actually started calling the cops. We're, we're like, something's going down here. We're not sure what I it is. I think we're going to kill someone named Benny. Yeah. And then this Benny kid and his friends show up. <laughs> no shit. And we're calling the cops. We're calling the cops. We're like, you got to get here now. There's a big fight about to break out, and people are going to get hurt. You have to get here now. And we're right across from the police station. You think they'd have? You think they'd have a <laughs> look cop? out your door? Look out your door! You think they'd have a cop in reserve or something? At <laughs> Come the police out station. the front door and down the steps. Just wake up whoever's in the bunk beds. Yeah, and get them down here. Look out uh, your window. If you have and you'll a police, see a mob. if you have a police pole or zip line, use it. <laughs> An angry mob is accumulating and, on your doorstep. And then we're watching this. They they were go. They were coaxing their teenage son into fighting this guy. No shit. And they end up having a. This, this is Elko. Yeah. And there's this this big ring of people, they about ring up. 20 people. Like the schoolyard. Yep. Right? And then this kid and this Benny kid, he's a couple years older than they, this other they one. They duke up, huh? They duke up. Benny beats the crap out of this kid and starts banging his head against the cement. Oh, <laughs> the Elko head bang. It's yeah, a motif. It's, it's a motif. It's a move. You know, it's like the it's like the boxer's jab or the people's elbow. If we <laughs> people's elbow, can you smell what the Elko resident is cooking? And then finally, it's the Elko headbang. Finally, a cop show. One cop. Finally, one cop shows up, and this Benny kid, who's in pretty good shape, just takes off through the park. You know, he just sprints through the park. He's gone like that. He's gone like a shot in the oh dark. He's gone. And then. And then, yeah, and then this cop who's <laughs> Bilbo remember. Baggins, he freaking, he cinches up his utility belt and he gets, <sighs> sighs. he takes his big sigh and then he starts running after it. And it's just, it was like watching Bilbo Baggins try to run off the, you know, run up the mountain of, of Moldor. Yeah, Moldor. Thank it you. was more, it was more uh, obligatory. Mordor. Like, oh my God. It was, it was pathetic to watch this cop. And I was just like, you're not going to catch this kid. One. He's got a head start on you. Two, he probably, you know, runs twice as fast as you. Oh my and god. It was just ridiculous. But then oh my god. but then they ended up taking our statements and all this other stuff. But of course the more affluent people didn't get into trouble. And it was that Benny ah. kid, you know, they all they charged him with assault or whatever. Privilege. But, but again, these people have money. They have, you know, mm. they have a they have uh, connections in the community they're respected in the community because of their money yeah yeah, because yeah. of who they are and they're still basically white trash it's so interesting it's so interesting what <laughs> i mean you, yeah the, the other day the other day again things happen around here as as normal as you please it's normal as pie that Look, my hand never shakes. I'm pretty steady. I'm not easily flappable. No, you're not, not easy, flappable. Not easily phased. Unfazable, ill-flappable, unflappable. I'm, I'm over at the homies. Steady as a rock. I'm with the homies, talking around their cars, shooting the shit, and there's this little girl. There's this little girl, you know, that, and she's talking to me. And she's, she's cute as a button. And I look up. And I do a double take. It actually caused me to do a double take. Coming towards us, walking towards us, is this big Polynesian dude. Big. Built like Lenny from Of Mice and Men and kind of acting like that. This guy's got to be between 250, 300 pounds. And his pants are down. His pants are down around his ankles. He has underwear. 
and he has shoes, but he's moving like his ankles are shackled, like manacles of a prisoner, because his pants are around his ankles. And I do this double take, my eyes widen, and he's sort of mumbling to himself, if anyone, and he's holding a box of some sort of electronic device with like a modem or something, and he's mumbling, do you guys know how this works? Do you guys know how to, I can do this? And he has this weird sweat slash residue all over the skin of his face, and he's just walking up to us as if he's fully clothed, or at least fully panted, seemingly clueless, like as if in a fog, having no idea that his pants aren't even up around his waist and secured. I instantly look back at this little girl, this three, four-year-old girl, and just kind of draw her focus, keep making her talk to me. You know, I'm kind of looking at the corner of my eye like, what the hell? I look at the homies sort of like, is this normal? And the alpha homie's like, man, what are you doing? Pull your pants up. What, what is this? Kind of like you know, roughly teasing him, kind of goes over like, man, what are you doing? Your pants are down. You know, damn. What and when I look over again, the guy's pants are now up. But I'm kind of keep looking at him, you know, sideways glances at him like, who is this guy? What's going on? what bizarre behavior and he's just all out of it and it's you know someone comes out and is like hey get out of here we told you not to come around here anymore and he's like i'm sorry i'm sorry uh, he's like a mumbling like get out of here go on and they're like yo man don't listen to her you're cool you know and he kind of end up, ends up wandering off and i say yo who what's that guy's story I'm like oh man he does smack he's on dope so Okay, he's on heroin. That'll explain the out of it. And doesn't know whether his pants are down or up. And they're like, "Yeah, man, he's all fucked up. He's he's got men he's he's got mental issues." They, they, and he points to his head. So like, he's not all there upstairs. He's got mental issues. And I'm just look at this guy sort of tottering down this alley, walking away from us. And I just there was, a, it was a, it's a tragedy. You look at that like it's a tragedy. But he walks up to us like like it was nothing. That that. That's probably actually one of the most uh, shocking moments to me. Is like, no pants? What the fuck? Well, I mean, it's just like you know, my my the breadth of my experiences with homeless people or yeah. or drug you know serious drug users comes from my time in New York, mm-hmm. and um, you know, a lot of people like homeless people they really do their. Um, mental illness is a huge thing amongst the homeless population and but you know getting those medications Mm -hmm. and staying on those medications is tough and they're expensive and even if you you know it's like even if you get a decent job it can take you know a huge chunk of your paycheck out every month you know it becomes it becomes part of your monthly budget to get these medications and you know, to maintain that too. And then if, you know, drugs are involved and again, you know, you could say, you know, poor life choices mm-hmm. or whatever you want, but it just, it compounds, you know, the, uh, the it's situation. A, it's a domino effect. One domino tips another. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is it's always a continuum of events, you know, it, with a squalid lifestyle, one thing can have a catastrophic ripple effect. For example, okay, here's another story. The homies got their car stolen. This is a crazy story. Uh, on one of these days where we're all just kind of hanging out around the car, I'm shooting the shit. And again, remember, immunity, immunity is safety. I do. Okay, just a quick question. You call them the homies. What, what do you think they call you? 
Straight edge? What do they call me? I don't know. I'm wondering. What do they call me? The, the undercover cop? I don't know. What do they call me? <laughs> uh, white bread? Yeah, white bread. Yo, white bread. I don't know. I'm wondering. <laughs> I'd wonder if like they were doing a podcast. What are they saying about me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> but we're all hanging out around their car and just shooting the shit. You know, the alpha's hanging out in the driver's seat, rolling a cigarette. You know, the, 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 his lieutenant, his second, is hanging out in the passenger seat. And there's this quiet Mexican guy in the back. He's not saying much. Later that night, they're all hanging out on, you know, just on the street. And they're like, God damn it, our car got stolen. I say, what? Like, our car got stolen. I'm like, what the? Who? I just said a few hours ago, who stole your car? See, it's always something. And they're like, remember that Mexican guy that was hanging on the back? I'm like, yeah. He, told, he stole our car. <laughs> so you know him. <laughs> he knew, they knew him. And for like 10 days... The car was missing. They did a police report. Police don't take anything seriously around here. They're like, well, it's got to be missing for a lot longer than that before we report it missing. And you say, you know the guy. <laughs> don't waste our time. They didn't do shit. They're like, oh, man. And so they're, looking, they're prowling the neighborhood for this guy. They got an axe to grind for this guy. They can't find me. They know where he lives. They walk over to where he lives. No him, no car. This goes on for like 10 days. And it's a ripple effect. Well, because I didn't have a car, and they try to get me on it, in on it. You know, I'm doing online school right now. They're like, can you take us to a tire place? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I was like, oh, man, like, you, you don't want to get this involved, right? And before you know it, their life is even more squalid. You know, the woman's like, oh, man, because he stole our car, I couldn't get to work, so I got at the gas station, so I done got fired, and because I got fired, now I've broken parole, and because I've broken parole, now I have a hearing, and I can't get to the hearing because I don't have a car, and now there's a warrant for my arrest. Like, this domino effect that you just, your jaw's on the ground as you're listening. And in the, and in the meantime, you know, so this guy, you know, their neighbor stole their car. He's nowhere to be seen. There's no hide nor hair of him anywhere. In the meantime, they need people with resources. So who are we? We're the people with their shit together with cars. So uh, two weekends ago, I'm going ice climbing. I get up crack of dawn. I'm all excited. I'm going to get out of the hood. I'm going to get out into the mountains in nature. I'm going to go ice climbing. They see me packing my gear up. And right when I'm going, I'm even running a bit late. I'm like, oh, I better go. It's about three hours away that I have to drive. And right as I'm going to the car, this kid, the guy who got punched in the jaw, I gave him a Band-Aid because he got gashed. He walks up to me with purpose and strong eye contact. Like, and I'm like, oh, no, he wants something. He's like, hey, man, can you do me a favor? And I'm, sorry, I just, I'm crestfallen. I'm like, ah, what? He's like, can you give me a ride to an ATM? Because, and they always tell you their story. Be, beware of someone who has a story. He, they always have a story. Yeah. Say, can you take me to an ATM? But not the ATM uh, uh, right here, because there's the ATM at 7-Eleven, but they charge a $3 fee or two seventy-five, and I need every dollar. Now, first of all, imagine that poverty where you cannot give up $3. Yeah. $3. Oh, I, I know. Not even the price of a drink, right? Like, of, of a can of whatever, right? Like, he's like, and I need every dollar. So can you take me to the ATM at Smith's and, uh, and wait for me? And, and I'm just going, ah, okay, go get on with it. What, what, what? He's like, um... You know, I need an ATM at Smith's and you can wait for me and then um, bring me back because I need my epilepsy medicine because ever since I got hit, ever since buttons hit me, I've been having a lot more seizures and I need my epilepsy medicine and I really got to get there and, and it's, it's, it's a long walk and please, please, you know, the need is so great. The story is so pathetic th that, you know, you are bound by rules of sociology to help this guy. It's like, you can't say no. You'd be the biggest fucking cocksucker in the world if you said like, no, fuck you. I can't spare 10 minutes. It'd be about like 10, maybe 10 minutes. But it's, it's, I'm just, I'm annoyed. I'm like, ah, 
all right, get in, get in, let's go, let's go. He said, oh, thanks, man, thanks. He gets in the truck, we drive. He's telling me his story, his, his, his life story, you know, sob story as we're going to the ATM. I go, I wait. He comes in, we go back. He's like, thanks, man, thanks, I really appreciate it, really appreciate it. I'm like thinking, okay, good, I did a good thing. It was like 10 or 12 minutes delay. Okay, I did a good thing. He can now go to a pharmacy, right, and get his proper epilepsy medicine and be good. The next day, next day I see him. He comes up to me, I'm, you know, and he's like, hey, man, I got my medicine. Just wanted to show you. Thanks a lot, man. Just wanted to show you my medicine. He has an Altoid tin, and he opens up the Altoid tin, and it's full of weed. That was his medicine. And I'm like, it's supposed to help. I helped you do a drug run. You know, like, you know I get yes, yes. There are interesting studies with marijuana or THC and uh, pain neuroreceptors. Yes, I understand that. But it was funny. Like he wasn't forthcoming. Like, hey, yo, help me score some weed because I'm having C or, you know, I'm in pain or whatever. It was he really made it seem like my medicine, my medicine, a pharmacy, pharmaco- pharmacological. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're playing me. And you're still playing me. You played me. Uh, I just laughed. I'm like, you know, this oh, Altoid tin like, full of weed. I'm like, oh, my God. I just remember it's, it's like what Jerry said, you know, when um, when we were in school. And he said, you help people until it starts to, um, until as long as you can help yourself. That's good. So you help people until it starts to You're negatively right. affect you. You're right. And You're so right. giving up that time. It didn't. Yeah. It, but what I'm saying is, you know, you have to look at that and you can only give so much of yourself, but you know what they do with that help is up to them right so the next time it might be you know i'm not there will be no next time they're evicted now but but you know what yeah. i'm saying i mean it's just it's not as poignant it, had i known and he knew this he knew this so he worded it carefully had he known that like yo i see you go score some drugs i you know you need to help me buy some weed and please take me to atm that's much less poignant than epilepsy medication yeah. i need money i need so i get my medicine so i can get my medicine that's how he worded it you know one's poignant one's like oh you can do something your own fucking time walk the two miles to the grocery store and do your atm walk back you really want the weed put into work you know shit you know <laughs> but you know here i'm thinking i'm helping this guy but the other time like oh so, so how it resolved was pretty funny. I mean, funny. it could be, you know, I guess the difference would be, so you're going ice climbing, but, you know, the next time could be you're late for work. Right. You know, and right. that really, that could, I mean, that could hurt you. Right. And so, the, well, the funny thing was is how it got resolved is they got their car back. Like 10 days later or whatever, they see the guy who stole their car. Oh just walk. These aren't super criminals. Just walking across a circle, and they're like, "Hey, motherfucker, get!" And they they go at him. Give us our car back. And he's coming. Huh? And they like gang around him. Give us <laughs> our can, car back. He gives them the who me what <laughs> who me what? what? Give us our car back, motherfucker. And knowing he's licked, like, well, I'm beat. He doesn't say anything. He silently, as if on mute, just hands him the keys back, and, and they tell him where the car, car is. Back. But it had a flat tire, and of this and that, and they had to do this and that that day. And suddenly, all these things hinged on this working car. You guys haven't had a car for ten days, and suddenly, unless you get this car moving, you're screwed. What the hell? They had a flat tire, and they're like, "Can you take us to the to a tire place?" And da da da. And I'm doing school. There's tests that day. I'm like, "I'm sorry, I can't." Like again, I can't get involved in all the minutia of your life. Yeah. Because um, the need is endless. It's a bottomless well. It's a pit of need. The need never ends, and you'll you'll exhaust yourself. That's what happens to a lot of social workers. And so I'm like, sorry guys. Like, okay, we get it. We get it. It's okay. And I look out there, and they they jerry rigged it. They they were using a bicycle pump 
to get it with enough oh, air. Oh, really? They got like one of the, uh, like a T-pump. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, a, a big that, that you trap underfoot enough and that to you're, get you're, you're pumping a, the wow. T-pump down. They got a bicycle pump and they pumped it up enough to eke it into the into a tire yeah. place. <laughs> so wow. they made it work. But it's like... you. That's their lot in life is making it work. They're not flourishing. They're surviving. They're making it work. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, we, 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 there's these things called food deserts. Now, there's this thing in nutrition. Food deserts is, it's in impoverished neighborhoods, slum, ghetto, hood, whatever term you want, where access to proper nutrition, access to good food is minimal. All you have is bodegas or the 7 Eleven on the corner. It's too far to get to a, a quality grocery store. You don't have a car. You don't have wheels. The bus is too far. So, they they fall into a food desert, a food trap. They eat like shit. They're they're just drinking liters of Diet Coke and te- deep fried taquitos from Seven Eleven. They eat like shit. Their diet's terrible. Now we we eat pretty healthy around here. The other day we have a like a, a brunch. My hot little honey. Sometimes you know that it's Big Mac's a lot cheaper than right. You know it's grass cheap. fed beef from the or store. Or you don't or you don't know how to stretch your money. You have ten dollars. If I got ten dollars and I have to live for a week, get Staples. Get non-perishable, long-shelf-life staples like a bag of brown rice that yields 50 times its size and food volume for three or four bucks. That's smart, right? No. They'll blow it on a liter of Mountain Dew and and some Twinkies, right? It's mentality. It's lack of education. You don't know about proper nutrition, whatever. My life is miserable. I want a Twinkie. It fucking tastes good. Trans fat, what the hell's that? Better than brown rice. Right. So we, my hot little honey had like a brunch. Had some of her friends over and he had a brunch. And someone had brought over, uh, you know, homemade banana bread. Someone else brought home, uh, brought over uh, simply orange juice. So, like, 100% simple orange juice. We eat pretty healthy around here. You shouldn't drink juice. It's a lot of sugar. Yeah, we've been told it's healthy. It's not. Don't drink juice. Sugar bomb. I don't drink juice. We don't drink juice in the house. But is 100% organic orange juice better than Mountain Dew? You better fucking believe it is. It's the lesser two evils. We're in a low-carb lifestyle. Banana bread isn't something you should eat every day. But hey, there's walnuts. There's homemade banana bread. You think they get even nutri- nutrients that good? Right. So I give it to him. I'm like, hey, man. He came, he came over. There's a fence in the backyard here where the dogs play, and there was a gap in the fence. And they were really proud of themselves because they had jerry-rigged a board fix, and it's actually worked. They wired, uh, they wired the gap shut with some boards, and now my puppy can't get out. And I was really happy. I'm like, hey, man, let me thank you. And I give him this like barely-touched jug of simply or made orange juice. Oh, thanks, man. He like rushes it at home. That's vitamin C. That's nutrients. That's a lot more nutrients yeah. and nutritional value than Mountain Dew. And later that day, I'm like, hey, man, take this too. And I give him this tinfoil wrapped big old loaf of homemade banana bread. Again, healthy? No, not healthy by maybe universal educated standards, but healthy for them, healthier. Healthier than a Twinkie. Yes. Yes. So like helping in those little ways, have this, have that, give you lift here, give you lift there. It's just so funny. You know, the motley crew that comes in and out of the circle, you know, to, to score through them. And the other day I'm out, I'm out, I, you know, we'll wrap up soon. Cause I could go on tales from the hood forever, but I go out to the truck. I got Perth, my little puppy with me. I'm loading stuff up. I'm getting ready to go out for the day. It's early. It's like seven 30 in the morning. And there's these, this young couple that's just sitting on the, on the stoop, sitting on the steps of the drug dealer's house, waiting to score, and they're smoking. And everywhere I go, people coo, squeal, and scream over my puppy. He's adorable. So this girl's like, oh, my God, what a cute puppy. Can I meet you? Know, she holds out her hands, 
puppy goes runs and they're seeing her i'm like yeah isn't he cute and i'm just going in and out of my house while they're hanging out with this puppy you know i know he's good and just get, get getting stuff done and then i call him in and i'm cooking my breakfast and it's early it's like 7 30 in the morning and suddenly <laughs> my hot little honey jordan's like why does he smell like cigarettes and perfume? He smells like smoke and perfume. <laughs> She's looking at me sort of accusatorially. Uh, you know, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Smells like a brothel. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door, like on cue. I'm like, huh? We look at the door. She looks at me like, what the fuck? Who? It's early, man. It's early. Like, again, who does this? And it's that girl, the owner of the perfume and cigarette smoke, who's like, hey, um, can you bring your puppy out again? Uh, like she's a full-grown woman asking me like a kid. She doesn't know me, right? It's early in the morning. You go knocking on someone's house at the crack of dawn. You know, people are working, making breakfast, trying to get out the door, maybe asleep still. She knocks on the door. <laughs> like, hey, um, there's this dog out here who really needs him to play with, and can they play and this and that? And, and like, I'm about to leave. I'm leaving in like two minutes, and I'm sort of like, hey, I'm sorry, uh, no. <laughs> Adults no, are working. Leave and yeah. You know, but it was just so, it was so funny. It, 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 there, there's an absurdist quality to living here. Every day, every day there's a story. Some, yeah. so, you know, it's something. You know, th that, that's funny. And, and you know, under normal circumstances, sure, yeah, play with my puppy. In fact, I let him run amok. They watch him. I'll be doing online school, and I'll get a knock on the door. Hey, is Perth in there with you? Oh, oh I thought he was out here. Oh, okay, you know, or we're watching him. You know, they got my back. They watched my puppy. He, you know, I let him run amok and play with the other dogs. And I did it all the time, but it was sort of, sort of just one of those funny moments of, sort of like a lapse in judgment i feel that it just wasn't there in that moment you know uh, but anyway it's an experience it's an experience living here and i think we've covered some interesting points of poverty is often mentality it's not you don't it's not money you can have money and still live in poverty i think is one of the points we made you know what i'm saying because it's a state of mind whereas yeah i live in a rough neighborhood but I got a great place here, right? We've recorded nicely. We come in here, it's like our haven. We walk outside and there's the gunshots and the garbage and the drug deals and the and you know the the rough stuff. But again, I mean, I think it goes to you know, there's a mentality, but there's also means. Mhm. Mm you know, right. some people just don't have the means. They don't have the support that That's right. you and I are fortunate enough to have. We it's about recognizing and, your privilege and what what and makes you. And so, work. I mean, some people just don't have that. Right. And you're not going to, you know, what is it? They'll that saying, you're not going to get out of it. You're not going to make ends meet working at fucking Burger King. No. So. No. You know, it's it, I think the point the point of today's episode is to recognize your privilege, recognize where you're lucky recognize where where you can help people and where you need to protect yourself yeah also and you know the world is teeming with life and teeming with stories and and everyone's story matters these guys story on the, the homies here in the circle their story matters absolutely i've been getting more of their story uh, life is life is dear to all. Life is precious to everyone. Well, we learn from everybody, and we learn from each other. I've learned a lot. I've yeah. learned a lot living here. I've learned a lot from him, and you know, it, it, it's what 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 is that? What is what is the? There's a word, um, and it's on the tip of my brain. But it's the notion that everybody's lives, even strangers, are living as an enriched and vibrant and meaningful life is you, even though you don't know them and you'll never know them. It's called like somner, somber, uh, what, what's that word? Um, 
Oh, you look, look, look that up. It's on, the, it's on the tip of my brain. It's a unique word. But my point is, my life is no more valuable than their life just because they're sort of uh, in a different place or to make their money by dealing drugs or live in a, in, a, in, a, in a dirty, dilapidated manner and have a different mentality. Their lives are just as meaningful to them as my life is to myself, you know. And uh, the, the world is teeming with stories and teeming with life, and I love going out and, and, and grabbing them, you know, and, and learning more stories. And I guess the point is I don't, I don't go over to those guys to, and be cool with them to just have immunity just to make sure my stuff doesn't get robbed. Because I'm curious and I like to engage with people and, and, and their stories. And you're not as scary as they look. Just talk to them. You know what I'm saying? They're just people trying. To, I mean, just, we're all just people trying we're to live. We're all trying to do our best. Yep. Did you find that word? Because we can't leave them hanging. <laughs> well, I didn't. Wait, what is it? Can I? Mm, let's see. Here, just tell me what. Okay. Put it into the search. Uh, well, no, we, we need we need Siri or something. No, just tell me what what's the definition. Uh, definition of everybody living meaningful of strangers living meaningful lives. Definition of strangers living equally meaningful lives to you. It's sort of a convoluted thing. Yeah, type yeah. that in. You know, at the end of the day, we all have something in common. We're all just trying to do our best. And, it, you know, one of my favorite quotes from the Dalai Lama, it's wonderful. He, he says, you know, look, look, there's 7 billion people on the planet, but we're all unified. We're all tied by one thing. We all want to live a joyful life. So we share that unity and bond with everyone. We all want to live a joyful life. That's, that's who wants to have a miserable time of things. Did you find it? What do you got? Oh man, I gotta get in on this. I gotta get on this. Are you? Are you? <laughs> you know, Sonder. Sonder. Thank you. I said somber. Sonder. Sonder. Thank you. Thank God. Uh, spell it. Spell it. Is it S O N D E R? Yes, it is. Sonder. The realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid. Um. As you are, I guess. No, read the whole definition. Read it right. Well, I know. It broke off. <laughs> um, just Sonder. Like, thank God. It would have plagued me and our listeners. The realization that each random passerby is living as vivid and complex as your own. A life as vivid and complex as your own. There it is, guys. So what do you live in the hood? <laughs> so if you listened for the full hour and a half, you at least got the definition of Sonder. You did, <laughs> if, if nothing else. So there it is, guys. Where did you live in the uh, Manhattan penthouse? Or in Western Rose Park in an old brick quadplex. Everybody's stories matter. And we can't wait to get back at you with the next episode of more stories, more interviews from ordinary people with extraordinary lives. Bam. Thanks for listening. Catch you later. And I'm going to keep my head down. Try to avoid it. <laughs>